<laughs> that was rough. I struggled through that one. We got there. We got to the end. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 15 of the Swift Over Coffee Podcast. I'm Paul Hudson. And I'm Sean Allen. And I know, Sean, it's been a massively busy few weeks for me, and I believe for you as well. Yeah, uh, my HR nightmare, I can't call it a nightmare, but <laughs> my uh, little little stint as the HR person for our, our startup is finally over. We finally hired my replacement iOS developer. So like I've been saying the past couple episodes, I finally got to li- deliver you know, the good news, finally got to help start someone's career. They start April 1st. Super pumped about that. That's going to be uh, so much fun. They start April 1st. Yeah, that's been the running joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah, you got the job. Sure you do. You start April 1st. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we have been joking around about that. But it is the official real start date because, um, you know, I don't get back from London uh, until like, you know, end of March. So it's a good time. And, and that's a good segue. You've been prepping for London? Yeah. So uh, that is only a few days as we record this away now. Uh, I'm doing my talk on uh, Swift 5 and Swift Evolution in general, how it's been working. Uh, so that's very busy. I just got back from App DevCon, where I delivered my very first non-technical talk uh, about the need for more uh, moral thinking, more ethical thinking, and more inclusion in our community. That was great fun to deliver. I enjoyed that very much. And then I'm, I'm now officially, definitely planning for my own conference in July. I have now, uh, I've got my own company, Hudson Heavy Industries. I, I have uh, paid the deposit in the, in the venue. It's, it's happening now. I've got actual real dates, July 8th and July 9th. It's definitely happening. So it is all go right now in the conference place. Can we hear the, uh, as you know, I'll give my little self, self a plug here. I do a uh, podcast called Origin Stories. So I want to hear the origin story of Hudson Heavy Industry Name. How did that name come about? That struck <laughs> think, me from left field when I saw it on Twitter. I was like, what is this? <laughs> well, my plan was either something like second straw, where you've got to know the two straws thing, you know, can I get the inner joke? But you know, this is a part of my bigger plan that if it all goes wrong in Swift, I can sort of segue into making cars or something. Right. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so another thing, I think we announced this last episode as well, but we are doing a live podcast at IOSCon where we'll both be. So that's going to be interesting. Our first ever live event. Curious to see how that's going to go. But it does mean we'll be announcing the next open ballot imminently. Like we're not waiting the usual sort of 10 days or so after this episode comes out because it, well, IOSCon is a few days away, certainly much earlier than usual. So watch the Twitter folks uh, and you'll see it hopefully coming soon. All right, Paul, let's talk about some news. And first up, we have the prelude to our favorite time of the year, and that is Apple has announced the dates for WWDC 2019. And uh, that is June 3rd through the 7th. The lottery is now open for registration, and I entered for the first time ever, so wish me luck. Yeah, I'm already in there as well. Uh, It's a lottery, Apple say it's random. Folks seem to say it's not really random. Um, So maybe they're gonna say, you know, Sean, We've seen your YouTube videos. They're just amazing. <laughs> that, I, I actually watched your first video. The one I tweeted out? Yeah, yeah. it's your two-year anniversary. Again, happy anniversary. Thank you. There's so much work in that first video. I'm not saying you like you know, let your sound slip or anything, but you put a lot of work into that first video getting it exactly right, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I started off doing a lot of like vlogs and editing because that's kind of what inspired me to get into YouTube anyway. And uh, I slowly moved away from that to more like informative tutorial, Swift news. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people actually. They want me to bring the vlogs back. So I think I might start doing that again, uh, starting with my London trip. Definitely going to do a vlog about the London trip. Well, uh, speaking of DubDub, um, I mentioned today on Twitter that uh, obviously you're based in California. Um, Kilo Loco, Kyle's based there as well, as is Brian from Build That App. So there's a whole sort of hub of folks there already. We should definitely do some sort of in-person uh, meetup, I think, while we're there. 
Yeah, I would love to do that. And speaking of like dub dub plans, this is kind of the first year where I'm going to know a lot of people. Like to be quite honest, a lot of the reasons why I never you know, put in for the lottery was because like, well, I don't want to go by myself. I'm not going to know anybody. It's kind of weird. But, you know, over this past year, I've gotten to know so many developers and I know so many people are coming from all over the world. So very much looking forward to that and getting together with a lot of developers. Yeah. And and even if you don't win the lottery, I hope you'll still be there. I'm, so, I'm there no matter what, whether I win a lot, I'm, I'm flying out there already. Flights booked, hotel booked, I'm going no matter what. Because <laughs> uh, the atmosphere is great. Yeah. Everyone's very excited to be there. Everyone's friendly. Everyone wants to discuss ideas. Plus, it's AltConf, plus Nextdoor, hopefully, and uh, layers and more. It's a really big buzz, no matter of the lottery result. Obviously, we want to win a lottery ticket still. Uh, sure, we'll sure. I mean, I'll definitely go down no matter what, at least for one of the days. Uh, the, the train ride to San Jose is kind of a pain in the butt from San Francisco. So I don't know if I'd do it every day if I didn't win the lottery. But I guess if I did win the lottery, I'd have to put up with that every day. Or I'll get a hotel. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet, but I might be too late for the hotel thing. So I was talking to uh, Ben Sandowski a couple of days ago. Uh, uh, he makes Halide, the camera and Spectre, the, the yep. new spin-off camera app, a beautiful app. Anyway, uh, he lives 30 minutes away from the conference center in San Jose, and he's still going to get a hotel in town to, <laughs> to avoid the sort of crush yeah. of people traveling around. Cause it's very, very busy there. You know, the traffic there is a, a, atrocious. So yeah, he, he, he's half an hour away. We'll still get a local place. So there you go. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to, I gotta, I gotta figure it out. But the hotels are so damn expensive right now. <laughs> yeah, but I hope to see folks come. I, I know that um, Marco Pont was there last year. I think Dan O'Leary's going to try and come. Folks mm-hmm. we've known on live for quite a while. It's been great to see them there and hang out, get some coffee, perhaps get dinner or something. Because it's just really nice meeting our friends that we wouldn't otherwise see. You just like you know, tweet here and there, in person. You know. Yeah, it's, it's always a little weird dynamic. Like you feel like you know them, even though you've yeah. never spoken to them or met them in person. It's kind of a, a weird dynamic. All right, up next, we have a new feature getting accepted into Swift, and that is SE0242, synthesize default values for memberwise initializer. Uh, that's gone through review, and it has been accepted. So what does this mean? Uh, as you know, when you declare a struct with a couple variables, you know, like a struct dog, give it an age and a name property, you get a default initializer. You don't have to write out, uh, you know, the init method. But let's say you want all dogs to have a default age of zero. So you give age a default value of zero. Well, when you go to create a new instance of dog, age will still show up in that default initializer asking you to set a value, which can be annoying because you set the default value to zero for a reason, right? This proposal fixes that so you can initialize a dog with just the name property and it will be initialized with the default age of zero. I love this change so very, very much. You know, Swift's memberwise initializer for structs is one of its very, very many useful features. And often I'll make custom initializers and extensions so they don't hide that memberwise initializer. It's just so useful to have. However, they aren't perfect. And one of the holes they have, or at least had, to this change, uh, was this one. So I don't want to have to say, you know, my optionals are nil or my integers are zero when creating objects. It's just pointless overhead. Of course, the next step is to add memberwise initializers for classes that don't inherit from anything else. Moving on, we have a pretty big proposal in SE0246 for generic math functions. Now, as a Swift baby myself, which means that I only know Swift, no other languages, uh, I'm not familiar with these sort of things. Like, I know it's pretty common for other languages, you know, like JavaScript to have a math object, you know, math.round, math.random. Is that what this proposal is? It's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, more or less. Uh, the, the author of the proposal, Stephen Cannon, described it on Twitter as being a thing that is really boring, but also lays some critical groundwork, which I think is probably unselling a little bit. Um, so yes, we get you know built-in functions to calculate things like inverse tangents or hyperbolic signs or similar, 
But I asked Steve to elaborate further on what this critical groundwork was, and he said it allows us to build more sophisticated generic abstractions for other numeric domains. For instance, having the real protocol makes it easier to implement a complex type. Now that in itself, fine, that is unlikely to be interesting for most people. What matters is that it provides these strong foundations for the future. So I think we'll see more work on this in Swift 5.2 or beyond. And as with every episode, we have our picks. What do you got for us, Paul? So I have two smaller picks this week. Uh, the first is I learned about at AppDevCon in Amsterdam, uh, which I was going to talk about notifications by Kaya Thomas, who works at Slack. And so, of course, someone who, you know, gets notifications on a, a deeply spiritual level because, you know, Slack really hits notifications hard. Um, she mentioned iOS 12, which I hadn't spotted, but it's really, really nice because uh, when you request to show notifications, you can say, do you want uh, badges? Do you want alerts? Do you want sounds? Whatever. You can also say, provide app notification settings, which adds a link to your app notification settings in the section of the main settings app. And it also links users directly to your app settings if it's app managed one of notifications. Uh, so for apps like Slack, where there are really fine-grained settings, for you know, workspaces or channels or users or words or whatever. Um, this helps, I think, really cut down the noise because you can say not just allow or disallow, but allow this, allow this, allow this, allow this, and it links in to the system directly. Well, two things. First of all, there was something in iOS 12 that you didn't spot. Like, what? I thought this was your job, Paul. I thought there this you was... go. I know. I'm just so lazy. <laughs> uh, second thing, um, we need every developer to adopt this right now. Like, that sounds amazing. I, I didn't know about it either. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, I turn off 90% of my notifications, but occasionally some of them sip through and that's very, very annoying. Uh, for example, Google started sending me a bunch of like NBA score notifications, like out of nowhere a couple weeks ago. And really annoyed me. So would have been nice to just be able to tap it, tap into it and just, you know, turn it off. Oh, NBA. That's the uh, National Book Award, right? <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah. Newcastle Brown Ale. Wow, you, did, you, did you just Google NBA acronyms right now and, <laughs> and look a bunch up? Totally did. Yeah, it's a whole it's a migration page on, on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> the National Basketball Association. Round ball. Oh, sports, eh? To make this work, App developers have to take advantage of it. So, you know, get to work, listeners, add this into your app. Uh, so the second thing I learned, actually, um, I learned just as we put out the previous episode of this awesome podcast, which is that Count Where has been formally removed from Swift 5. Now, if you weren't listening carefully, this was a small but useful improvement uh, implemented and suggested by Suresh Khanlu of Coordinators fame. Uh, and he gave this method a predicate closure and return how many items in the sequence were matched by that predicate. That's a bummer. I, I really like that one. Um, now I'm relatively new to following all the Swift evolution, only the past like six months or so. But I imagine this is kind of like rare where something is accepted and then they just yank it back. That doesn't happen very often, right? Yeah, I certainly haven't seen it yet, at least not elsewhere. Um, I guess it was kind of inevitable after, you know, 200 and something um, evolution proposals going through. <laughs> right. One had to be yanked eventually. Um, and it was so rare, actually, there was no um, procedure for it. There was no evolution discussion or anything like that. Um, no one knows what to do. We just kind of yanked it directly. Um, I did ask Ben Cohen, who's one of the maintainers of the standard library, about it. And it turns out the problem was, in very specific situations, Swift's type checker can't be sure whether we mean the property count, how many items are in the sequence, uh, or the method count where. And this caused compile times to go up, which is really the last thing the team wants to see at this point. Uh, so Catware's been pulled from 5.0, which is a real shame. I hope it'll come back, though, in, in 5.1, either because they've removed that type-checking sort of idiosyncrasy or just renamed it to be less colliding. 
So those are my picks, Sean. What do you have? Uh, my pick this week is a short blog post from Dave Bennett called Getting Too Absorbed in Side Projects. Now, bear with me, folks. This might turn into a little therapy session, but this title <laughs> describes my life perfectly. And uh, the gist of the article is that he just gets too wrapped up and excited in, in like new side projects that his other responsibilities, like both professionally and socially, just start to get neglected. I mean, does that sound familiar to any of you out there? I think it's fair to say that shiny object syndrome is real. And, and, and particularly programmers are like the gold medal Olympic winners at this thing. Uh, Nick Lockwood once said, the hardest problem in computing science is fighting the urge to solve a different, more interesting problem than the one at hand. Yeah, and, and I mean, totally. And I wanted to talk about this because, like, like you just said, we win the gold medal. <laughs> that was a good, that's a good analogy. And I, I think I win, like, the, the platinum medal at this. I have this, like, really, really bad. You know, for example, I have so many ideas for this YouTube business. It's not even funny. Like, I always get asked, how do you do everything you do and have a full-time job? And, and the honest answer is barely. Like, like I'm hanging on by a thread. Like, it, it's kind of crazy. Like, I'm stretched so thin that it kind of worries me for a couple reasons. Um, like, I have zero bandwidth to take on any new projects. And that means I'll probably miss any exciting new opportunities that come my way because I'm already stretched too thin. And then the second one is like, is burnout. Like I, like I said, a lot of people have asked me, you know, wow, you're, you're going to burn out. And I've even like made jokes about it, but uh, I'm kind of starting to feel myself kind of get on the cusp of that. And I, I want to fix it, you know, before I get there. And Paul, I know you do a hell of a lot as well. Have you ever felt this way? I kind of want to like hash this out. Yeah, there's definitely value in discussing it. I think more folks need to discuss it because it's very easy to present our lives like some sort of Facebook highlight reel. Yeah, yeah. That's all folks really see, what we share on Twitter or what we share on you know, YouTube or whatever. They don't see the vast amount of hidden effort required to get to that point and the consequences of that thing. They don't see us frantically typing up this show five minutes before we record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, certainly, I, you know, I, I do this weekly live stream and sometimes I have been doing it preparing it minutes before going live, yeah. uh, which is just so stressful. And, you know, it's like John Lennon once said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And it's so true. You, you, you've got your plan. It's all simple to do this, then this, then this. And then life gets in the way and you can't do that anymore. I mean, I have two kids. I've got a dog. I've got a lot of other concerns to think about. And I don't think I've felt burnout, but I do definitely feel very stressed sometimes. And what normally happens for me is... I'm doing quite well. I've got my plan, my you know day's work, whatever, for the week or two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. And then I've got to do a conference talk. Yeah. And that flying out there, stopping what I'm doing, preparing a talk, doing the slides, whatever it is, rehearsing it, totally stops dead my work. And I can't properly multitask. I'm very bad at it. I can't mm -hmm. do one thing for a while, then do a talk for a while. And then I'll do a talk completely for three, four, five, six days, whatever it is and then try and pick up the pieces from like backlog of emails, whatever. Uh, and that just creates extra stress. Yeah, that's what I think that's what's getting to me is preparing for this London talk and all that. Cause I haven't done it before, a little nervous. It's a, it's a pretty big undertaking, but uh, yeah. So, so the other concern I had was, have you ever had to like not jump on an opportunity because you were so busy with everything else? Like, have you ever missed out on anything? That's kind of my, my FOMO, if you will. It's like some cool opportunity is gonna come along, but because I'm so booked up right now, like I'll, I'll miss it. Uh, no, but I do something even worse, which is I say yes anyway. <laughs> that, well, that's my problem. I'm, I'm starting to learn that I need to get better at saying no. Yeah, I know. But the, the thing is, there's an opportunity cost for all the things we do. I could do A, B, or C. I'm going to choose B. That means I'm not doing A and C. And, and mm -hmm. that's the same for you or same for anybody. And it's painful. We have to make that call every time, which one looks best. That one, oops, wrong one. <laughs> you know, you, you never <laughs> right. know. 
And 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 I was saying to Ellen Shapiro, one of my friends on on Twitter, um, that the annoying thing is when I when things finally clear up. Like right now, I've just finished volunteering at my daughter's school. Do I teach them coding? Um, in on Raspberry Pi. That's just finished. Mm -hmm. I now have Fridays free that weren't free before. And I know, I know I will just say, aha, that means I can finally do this other thing instead. Right, right. Like, no, new, no, project. no, enjoy that. Yeah, enjoy that time <laughs> yeah. off. And I don't do it and I won't do it. And it's worrying. I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, at least, and I think I can speak for both of us. I think at least we love what we do, I guess. I think that's probably what contributes to the problem a little bit is it is more of a hobby, but you know, that hobby does still turn into work. But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very much looking forward to going to London and giving this talk. Uh, I will be happy when I'm on the other side of it, though, because that's one big kind of like hurdle that I can get over, except I go right into interviewing like I because I've been lining up all my interviews for the end of April. So I go right into preparing for all my job interviews. So I guess I'll be breathe a sigh of relief once I get on the other end of those job interviews. And I've been there so many times. Uh, that same thing. You know, after I was gone this year, I've got a two month break for dub dub. I'm like, yeah, two months. I can do whatever I want. I'll just fill it with more work. <laughs> more right. things I, I really want to do that and, and it's one of those things where i saw an email a, a tweet was by it was exactly but something like um uh if you've emailed me and i haven't replied please know that i bear this heavy weight of guilt on my shoulders every day you know <laughs> and it's totally yeah. true I, I, there are things i've started that i want to finish and they're collecting around me and i want to get them done and when i'm not doing them they're sort of staring at me saying paul <laughs> help us don't forget about us <laughs> uh it's yeah it's just too much going on yeah. Well, hopefully us venting about our, our problems a little bit uh, helps people out there because I wanted to talk about it because I know we're probably not the only ones that deal with this. Uh, you know, the shiny new side project, all developers have to deal with it. And, uh, you know, hopefully like, like Paul, I think Paul summed it up best with the whole like, you know, Facebook highlight reel. Right. It may seem like everything's, you know, going great, but at least for myself, like I'm barely getting all this stuff out there. I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread. So hopefully things will calm down in a few months. Yeah, L listeners, you are not alone. If you're feeling stressed out by the pace of Swift development or the pace of iOS development or new devices coming out all the time or new features for your app or bugs for old stuff coming in, you're not alone. We're all going through the same thing. So now it's time for an open ballot. This time ahead of DubDub, the question was, macOS made something now? Wait for marzipan or ignore it entirely. And again, we had stacks of responses from you folks. Thank you very much for that. We had an amazing response from Zagar, who just announced a new Mac app called Conferences at conferences.digital. And it's based off uh, Guy Rambo's WWDC app, which is also very good and native to Mac OS. Uh, and so having just released a new app kit app, knowing that marzipan is coming out, this is a very, very topical, timely response to have. Uh, and Zagar says, uh, macOS apps are stable. Marzipan's new and no one knows how well it will work. He said it was interesting to build a macOS app for the first time. It's always great to learn something new. And even if Marzipan will be successful, it'll definitely be helpful to have some experience developing native macOS apps, which is fantastic. I, I love doing macOS apps personally, sure. I'm not sure if you, you try them yourself, but they are a very similar platform to iOS, not the same by a long way, but, but similar. And the same great language behind it, same tools behind it. So you can do a lot without that much learning. No, I actually haven't tried uh, macOS, and I think uh, I will before Marzipan comes out because... From what I understand is Marzipan, at least for the first year or maybe even two or three, will be more so iOS converting to a macOS app, not necessarily, you know, macOS over to iOS. So uh, I think if you want that full-blown native macOS app, uh, still, AppKit's still the way to go. 
Eric Crickler said, I started as a macOS 10 developer, so I'll stay as a macOS developer independent of being an iOS developer. And Cyril Garcia says, you shouldn't wait for Marzipan to be released before building for macOS. Just start building. Uh, I think it's, it's worth keeping in mind that even large companies like Microsoft or Skype or similar still have to justify very carefully building different versions of macOS and iOS. It's not easy. It's not cheap, particularly on complex apps. So I'm not sure the just start building argument really sways me very much. You know, I, I do like MapKit. I love UIKit as well for different reasons. But I can understand why companies would be very, very keen to share code if possible. Yeah, and I, I, I'll stick up for, for Cy here. He goes by Cy, by the way. Uh, I'll stick up for him here a little bit because I, I do agree with what you're saying. Um, huge companies, huge apps, for sure. Absolutely, you're, you're 100% right. But I think the question we posed was more along the lines of what are you doing? Um, so I think for the individual, I think it's probably better to, I, I agree with them, just start building. Because even if Marzipan comes out this year, like we all know how this stuff works. Like It's going to be a year or two before it's like stable and fully robust, maybe even longer. Yeah, it's certainly interesting seeing them pre-announce it. They've had a whole year, because let's face it, they've shipped news, they've shipped home and similar. People like SDS, Steve Troughton-Smith would have dug into that straight away and went, oh, this is UIKit, immediately. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, so they, they had to pre-announce it. They had no I was going to say, yeah, the, the cow was kind of out of the bag last year too. I think that, like you said, I think they had, they had no choice. I don't know if they wanted to, but I think they had to. But that implies that it's been going, by the time WW hits this year, it'll have been in active development for at least two years, probably longer. So it'll be fairly mature when it finally ships this September, I think. So I'm hoping it'll be actually in a great state. Christoph Grimberg says, waiting for Marzipan. It would actually be a big thing for my company. Uh, plan to make a macOS app with that technology. Zach Falgu says, waiting for a Marzipan-ish announcement at WW this year, at the very least. There's too much smoke swelling for there not to be a fire somewhere. Ignoring macOS is fine to do now, but why cut off an entire platform if apps become easy to port? Yeah, I, I agree. This is the the thing I'm most excited about from Marzipan is the what, what Zach said, kind of the easy port. Now, we don't know how easy that's going to be. I've, I've heard John Sandell talk about it on his podcast. Is it going to be as simple as a, a checkbox in Xcode, just like, you know, iPhone and iPad is uh, with some small tweaks? Uh, or is it going to be, you know, a bit of work? So I, I do think we're going to see a lot more uh, iOS apps on the Mac. So so the Mac is going to be the biggest beneficiary of this, I believe, because we're going to get a lot more uh, Mac apps. I get the impression that what's going to happen is it'll be a checkbox. You'll have to do more work to take advantage of native Mac OS stuff. But Apple would be extremely smart to add things to iPad in the meantime, like iOS 13, that make those checkboxes much sweeter. Like if you want this thing for Mac OS, you also have to have, have an iPad. So folks are more inclined to do it anyway. Marco Pont, a great friend of the show said, maybe I just don't know enough about it, but Marzipan sounds about as realistic as using React Native for the sake of having an Android version of your app. Oh, but- uh, um. Shots fired. Yeah. JK Cross says, even though I like Mac OS, I love iOS. That's love in capital letters, listeners. Uh, so from my standpoint, ignore it. I want to make iPad my main computer, so I want more pro-level iOS apps. Xcode for iPad, please. And Tony Bolas says, ignore until Marzipan, then both of you can show us the quickest ways to update our current production apps to this great new audience. Looking forward to all that Paul and Sean do. Thank you very much, Tony. Uh, so I think what we're seeing here is that the lines between macOS and iOS are becoming blurred, which is very, very nice. You know, I don't know if you ever used um, Windows 8. I did briefly because we, we were trying to port some software to the Surface, the original Surface, 
uh, running Windows 8, and it was nightmarishly bad. It was so confused, so mixed up. This was touch, this wasn't, and so forth. It was really, really bad because they didn't blur the lines. They went, right, it's going to go entirely all touch-based, that overnight, and it was a disaster. So they rolled back in Windows 10, obviously skipping a whole number is that bad to try and get distance away from Windows 9. Uh, they rolled back massively in 10, uh, and I hope Apple are going to continue this blurring thing, slowly bringing them closer and closer together. That means better iPad and more, more Mac-like iPad and more iPad-like Mac at the same time. Yeah, I agree with what J.K. Cross says here. I, I do think it is going to take a long time for iPad to be your main computer, but uh, I, I, I think I do like that future, and uh, I agree with what you just said. You know, they're blurring the lines. It's going to take a bit, but uh, I'm excited for that future. How would they make Xcode work on iPad? I mean, I mean really... I don't know. I've been you. You have your. You have your. I have my iPad Mini. You have your iPad, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not an iPad Mini, folks. He makes fun of my 11-inch new new iPad Pro. Um, but no, I've been it's using it. Storyboards, like storyboards, at the very least, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. I, I I don't know. I don't have the answer. Isn't that why they hired? I forgot his name. Um, the guy that did the um the iPad X, X code for iPad kind of like. Hack. Oh, Louis Louis Doe. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that why they hired him? Come on. <laughs> Uh, yes, so far, he, so Xcode 10.2 is his main first release he worked on, and he made breakpoints change color based on your Mojave accent color, which is a great feature. Louis, if you're listening, uh, welcome to have it. Uh, but what I'm worried about is that as it stands, IB is not going to work on iPads. Even big iPads will struggle with IB. There's too many options in there. It's not a nice experience. There is still some talk of some new declarative UI framework coming from the Swift team that would require a new sort of IB around it. That might solve the problem entirely. A whole new thing coming out, perhaps. That'd be a big change. And Apple does not really go in for big changes. Well, I do think this is also a, a five to 10 year window. It's kind of like at least the way I'm looking at it. Like, I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. Santos says, it depends. I'm undecided between ignoring and waiting till marzipan. Designing for the iPhone versus iPad can be a lot of work if you want to make both experiences unique. And having to design for Mac on top of that might be too much for me personally at the moment. Yeah, I agree, Santos, and I'm a big proponent of this. I, I It frustrates me when I see people just, their iPad app is just a blown up iPhone app and it looks horrible. So I really, really agree with your point about, you know, designing specifically for the iPad and the iPhone. And then, like you said, when you add the Mac on top of that, that's just a lot. And hopefully Marzipan uh, erases that where you just design for the iPad and then that is also your Marzipan app. So I agree with you. Yeah, so I absolutely also dislike it when I see blown up iPhone apps on iPad. But I have just committed the cardinal sin of doing just that. Um, you know, I have this Unwrap app for iPhone and I made it only for iPhone. I didn't want to go to the work of making a dedicated bigger iPad UI just for iPhone. Mm -hmm. And then someone filed a PR a week ago saying, all I've done is flick the switch from iPhone to Universal. Uh, I said, this feels better. Uh, and I wrote back saying, you know, I don't like it. I'd rather see a much better, you know, to be a good iPad citizen, just flicking the switch isn't enough. You've got to do more than just have a stretch iPhone app. Uh, and this person's response was very interesting. He said, listen, basically, if folks want to do it, They'll do it anyway. They'll they'll launch it as an iPhone app and just press a two X button and use it like that, which is the hideous experience. Everyone knows right. that's a really bad experience. So in that respect, uh, having a stretched iPhone app is better than having a a, a warped iPhone app with a two X thing. So I ended up going ahead and uh, making it universal. I had to make some changes to make the whole thing look a bit better, but it's still just a blown up iPhone app and. It annoys me because I don't want that, but I can see his point that actually people do it anyway. So, you know, it depends. It depends, Sean. It always depends. <laughs> Isn't that the name of the, the section? <laughs> <laughs>
And yeah, my overall thoughts on this are, I just can't wait for Dub Dub and I just can't wait and see. We can speculate all we want and make all these predictions, but uh, let you know, we're gonna find out in about two months. Yeah, I wonder if we'll do a live swift over coffee during the Apple's podcast studio at Dub Dub perhaps. Interesting. Paul, you're making more projects. Didn't we just talk about this? I can't <laughs> take it, on more projects, it. Paul. No, <laughs> just kidding. That's going to wrap up this episode of Swift Over Coffee. But as always, we want to leave you with something to think about, and that is the next open ballot. Reminder, we're doing a live show at iOSCon this coming Friday. So this is going to be released Monday. You got about like three or four days, you know, just to make your open ballot. But anyway, the question is, should mobile developers be skilled in more than one platform? You know, for example, Android or React, as well as iOS. I think this would give us a great chance to see you write no tests on all platforms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't discriminate. And as a special bonus, if you come and find Sean or I at iOSCon, you'll get a Swift Over Coffee sticker. Only if you can prove that you've left a review. That's the stipulation. And written some tests. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be hard to get these stickers. Like, I'm not even going to have one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, tell all your friends to subscribe. Like I said, please leave a review. It definitely helps out the show. And don't forget to follow uh, Swift Over Coffee on Twitter at Swift Over Coffee. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.